This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, I, I have to tell you, after last week's conversation, I just felt compelled to come back this Sunday to talk again about the... The, the seemingly overnight success of soccer here in the United States, an overnight success that took decades to finally take off. It seems that since the men's team qualified for the World Cup this year, just about everybody in America is talking about this young, talented team. I mean, headlines galore everywhere across the country. Everybody seems to be following what happened to Team USA. And I'm quite sure that you all know that what happened yesterday, yesterday morning when the U.S. advanced to the uh, knockout round to take on the Netherlands. But the let's look, the Dutch just had too much experience, and they played very, very well. They never panicked, and, of course, they won 3-1, to one, which eliminated uh, Team USA from the tournament. But, as I mentioned, our men's soccer program has been making headlines all over the country. I mean... On Friday, this past Friday, the Washington Post did not one but two major columns about the team. One columnist even referred to Christian Pulisic as the player who scored the goal that saved America in their victory over Iran. I mean, the goal that saved America? <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty high praise. That's also pretty intense. Anyhow, I come back to you again this morning to recap some of these questions I have for you as to what happens now, where we go from here. I mean, the first question is, has soccer now grown and seemingly catapulted in popularity over such traditional American sports like, well, yeah, baseball and ice hockey? Is it because of ASO, American Youth Soccer Organization, and you know, so many millions of kids being introduced to the sport at a young age over the last uh, couple of decades. But, you know, I, I have to tell you, I always thought that American kids really like to see and play sports with lots of scoring. As we all know, soccer does not feature a lot of scoring. Is it because in recent years there have been so many European matches are now available here in the U.S. on television? And we now have a whole generation of kids who watch these matches. 
Is it because we're seeing more of our, our top young athletes being drawn into soccer instead of the so-called traditional American sports and those pathways? I mean, look, the goalkeeper, Matt Turner, I mean, geez, he grew up playing baseball and basketball and only ended up playing soccer when he was 14 years old. And of course, he, uh, he's a terrific, terrific goalkeeper. Is it because parents today somehow think that soccer is safer to play than football? But, you know, we've all seen soccer matches, and there's no question that the, the physicality is evident. Injuries to top players, plus there's all sorts of evidence that hitting a soccer ball is, you know, has the same kind of concerns that kids have when they play football and get concussions. And let's be honest, when you watch soccer these days uh, at the professional level or at the collegiate, even the high school level, the amount of physical contact is extraordinary. And, and, you know, it's a very, very physical sport. Uh, It's not like it may have been maybe 30, 40 years ago, but its physicality is very much there. And by speaking of which, at the same situation, we all know when you watch a soccer match these days, there were, yeah, the amount of guys who flop to the field, you know, with, with, uh, with injuries or alleged injuries, and all of a sudden they're writhing in pain and you feel so sorry for them. And suddenly within a matter of seconds, they're back on their feet and running down the field again. <laughs> so we know that's a long going, ongoing concern with soccer and how to stop that as well. But again, that's, that's probably a, a conversation for another show. Anyhow, the point is, we're seeing, we're seeing differences here with the American team, with the, the, the American fans following soccer. I have to ask you this, too. Is it because the American women have done so well in recent years that we are now eager to see the American men follow in their footsteps? So, again, what, what, where do we go here? What has happened to make soccer a sport that is so seriously now on the rise in this country? And perhaps the most important question, again, looking at this as objectively as I can, Is it possible that soccer is just a mayfly? That is, will our attention drop off precipitously now that the American team has been eliminated? I mean, do we we care about what happens in the match today between France and Poland in the World Cup? Or are we just going to return to the National Football League and college football and college basketball, the NBA and uh, the hot stove offseason with Major League Baseball? So what does happen now with our fascination with soccer? Will this appearance in the knockout round drive American kids to play even more soccer? Will more parents, more American parents, influence their kids to avoid football and basketball and let them focus more on the sport of soccer? It's an interesting conversation. I want to get your calls and thoughts about this at 877-337-6666. And speaking of which, later on the hour... I'm going to give you a sneak preview of what might be the very next major sport to grab the attention of our young American sports fans. And no, it's not e-gaming, video games, and it's not pickleball. It's a sport that I think might surprise you. All right, let me take a time out. When I return, I want to get to your calls and we'll have a really good in-depth conversation about soccer and what this all this means and what happened yesterday and where do we go from here. 877-337-6666. You know, it's funny, back here on the Sports Edge, uh, <laughs> I'm, I can recall, I'm sure many of you can as well, that that chant of USA, USA, you know, had a, probably its start, at least I was first aware of it back with the miracle 
on ice at Lake Placid when the uh, the American men's hockey team, ice hockey team, defeated Russia uh, back in 1980. And now, of course, that chant USA, USA has become sort of uh, pretty much uh, uh, the mainstay of, uh, of soccer, whether it's either men's soccer or women's soccer. That's become a very, very strong, very nationalistic kind of, um, well, chant. And it's, uh, it's very, it's hard to... Uh, not get engaged in it. And uh, we've heard it all last uh, few weeks with the men's team in, in the World Cup. And uh, it's, it's, we're talking about that this morning, whether now that the American men's team has been eliminated, whether the, the, the so-called fascination with uh, soccer is here to really stay and to grow, not just on the, on the World Cup stage every few years, but whether its momentum with its fan base is just going to continue and continue on. Now, remember, the next World Cup uh, will be hosted by the United States, Mexico, and Canada. And uh, by that point, our, our young men's team will have several more years of playing experience. Um, you know, this is, this is an interesting topic. I mean, because soccer is, is, is a sport that is, is, well, let me put it this way. There's an old American saying that when it comes to sports, you sell tickets to the games with having lots of offense. But you win championships with solid defense. But in soccer, I'm not really quite sure that old American uh, saying applies. I mean, if you have a super defense in soccer, well, you may not score many goals, but often a tie is okay. Just don't lose. So what does the future hold? Is is U.S. soccer now at a turning point that's just going to go just gangbusters and be for the better? Are we now going to begin to see big, big crowds at college soccer matches, high school matches? Will college and pro soccer become a major revenue producer? I mean, I, I, the TV ratings for the USA against Iran, that must-win match, uh, according to the numbers I've seen, anywhere between 12 to 15 million American viewers. And that was on a Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Okay, I mean, I'll be eager to see what the ratings were for the Netherlands-USA match that took place yesterday at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. Uh, I, you know, I'd be surprised if they weren't bigger than 12 to 15 million. But again, this is in a world in which pro sports in particular is so basically predicated on how many viewers you receive in terms of TV ratings. I'll be curious. That'll be a very important benchmark to see when the ratings come out on Monday. All right, I, I just, I'm curious to see what happens here. And as I said, I, I'm curious to get your calls and comments about this. We know we have lots of kids who play soccer in this country, uh, and it just seems to be growing and growing exponentially. 877-337-6666, that, of course, is our number here at The Fan. Let us start this morning uh, with uh, Dr. Rob Freed from Long Island. Rob, good morning. I know soccer, of course, you've talked about it several times in the show. Soccer is something you're very passionate about. Uh, Tell, tell me your thoughts. Well, I am very passionate, and I must tell you, I have some thoughts going forward. Your monologue was absolutely perfect. Number one, I think the sport is very different from the 70s when the Cosmos came around. I'll explain why, and I'll continue. Yep. The Cosmos were an all-star team of old guys that were brought in from, you know, to, from other countries, Pele, Beckenbauer, and we talk about all those old guys. But they were old guys pretty much done with their careers, and they were a bunch of all-stars, not Americans. It was a phenomenon, and Correct. the American public had never seen Pele. They, want, they wanted to see these stars, and it grew, and it lasted about four or five years. 
Once Pele left, that was the end of it, pretty much. It, the, the league kind of fell apart. The Cosmos were just too good, and no one could really compete with them on, on a high level. I think going forward, we are ready for an explosion. Now, soccer has been around a long time. We had the World Cup uh, in 94, and, and it grew. But he, here's where we have to change for the game to really continue. And they have two questions. One, is it going to be a sport for the public to watch on TV, which is what we're kind of not really talking about in your show. WFAN will talk about it, but are we talking about it for the kids to grow? Number one, we must get better coaches. The coaches have to understand the game. It's a free-flowing game. People talk about how it's a boring game. It's, it's two hours. It's a two-hour match. It's constant movement. You're not sitting there for four hours in, like in a baseball game or, or a football game, 345, um, let's say, for a game. Mm-hmm. The game continually moves, and it's strictly two hours. And there's a lot of problems. I know we talked about, Rick, how you have that, the referees make six minutes post-game, you know, on ref, well, you know in injury time. Things. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just you know, saying, let me, let me just focus on that for a second because that is something that – the, the, the way the game of soccer is played, um, yes, you are correct. It's, it's a, a very concise, the clock is always running. And, and of course, uh, I remember a few years ago, there was all debate like, well, how do, we, how do we you know show these matches and don't have any commercial breaks? Well, the fact is, if you are watching a soccer match, yeah, there are no breaks like there are in football or baseball or whatever. You, can't, you don't want to get up and get something to eat or go to the bathroom during a soccer match because you may miss something and, and uh, you have to be riveted to that TV you, you set. Do, but, you, but, you know, but, but the point is that that actually works well to drive home the point like, hey, this is the clock. Uh, we're going to, you know, may have some, uh, over, uh, some extra time at the end of regulation, but the fact is you have to be in front of that TV screen to watch what's going on because you may, it's such a game which is so spontaneous and so explosive, you may miss something that was critically important, like, uh, like the goal that the Dutch scored right Fourth before the right. end of the first half. So it's, it's, that actually helps the sport because it's telling you we're not going to be here for three, four, five hours. This is it. Boom. You got to pay attention. Now, and, and, and that's a great point. People talk about, you go watch a baseball game, and, and, and you can be four minutes between a play happens. Here, it's constant movement. A lot of people don't understand the game. I think education is really important for the public. I'm talking about another viewing audience to, to understand the game. It's really simple rules. It's, it's, it's similar to well, hockey. But, but here's what I know you got a lot of calls. I just want to wrap it up this way. I think... Coaching going forward is going to be really key, getting great coaches, understanding the game, getting top athletes. What happens is these football players, you know, let's say football's dying on Long Island. I mean, the teams are falling apart. There's not many high school teams left that really can feel the team because of injuries, a lot of different reasons. Soccer is a game that is good, I think, Anybody can play. It's a, it's a game where you're getting exercise all the time. And once the proper skills are taught on a youth level, then I think it's going to continue. And we're in a different generation now from 1970s, Rick. I think this country, with, with all the different immigrants coming in and, and, and the country's changing, so many people are interested. I believe in three and a half years... It's going to explode on the youth level, the collegiate level. I hopefully the college, the high school teams get more involved, in the, and the better athletes that play other sports are going to transition, like the goalie Turner, and start playing soccer. And then you might see a real change. Premier League is on. One, we need, we do need a better American system, a feeding system like the MSL, MLS. We need a better uh, uh, leagues here where, where, where it could be more enjoyable for fans to understand the game. Why Watch the game and really, you know, better television. Well, Rob, let, me, let me ask you this: um, 
It is, and first of all, yes, uh, we, we, we talked about this briefly last week. The sport has been brought to the country. It's obviously a sport that was imported from overseas. But we do know that in the last five, ten years, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, soccer matches uh, from Europe in particular you know, are being televised here in the States from either the English Premier League or the Bundesliga from Germany or you know, games from Mexico. So younger kids... And let's face are, are it, watching it. are and, watching, and, and they're, they're now becoming very fluent in who are the best teams, whether it's the Tottenham Hotspurs or Manchester United or whoever it might be. They're becoming educated as to who these kids are or players are, and they begin to say, yeah, this is very cool. So that's, you know, that's, I don't know if it was just done originally, and forgive me for saying this, whether it was just sort of like filler to, to fill up the, the off hours uh, on our networks. But the fact of the matter is, is had a tremendous impact on, on the next generation of soccer players in this country. So and it's, Eddie, Eddie Azuman, you brought him up last week, let him talk for 10, 15 minutes, and he's a perfect example, a young man who, who's into it. The young generation, I can't tell you, I go to the gym, like, people are all watching this, and they, <laughs> they love soccer. And, and, and you got two things, and the last point, and going forward, I think for the callers, because there's going to be a lot of naysayers, oh, it's boring, I don't understand it. It's a beautiful game. There's so much passing with well, triangles and, and, and different styles with European versus South American. But you'd have to understand the game to really appreciate what you're watching. People just it takes goals. It's, it, it takes it takes a time if you're if you're a kid and you're like you're, if you're starting out in life and you're being introduced to to foreign languages, you know you it becomes sort of like second nature to you. And the same with soccer. I mean, soccer the, the the game of soccer. If you're not familiar with this and you're an American who's grown up watching baseball and basketball and football, whatever, you know the clock, for example, as we know, ticks upward. It doesn't tick down. It picks up. The clock is rarely stopped during a, a soccer match. Uh, the mysterious concept of extra time where only right. the referee in the fields knows how problem. much time. I, you know, this is hard for Americans, traditional American sports fans, to absorb. The substitution rules are a bit goofy. Why is, again, mentioned, why is there so much dramatic flopping during the games? And, and why can't the refs stop this or penalize a team for that, doing that? that? That is going on. You know, that's what, I know, forever. So that's, a lot of it's acting. We, we understand. It but, I mean, that's, that's nature of soccer. So if you... If you can't accept this, it's hard to watch the sport. But again, for the younger generation who've grown up with this, and the younger generation, yeah, quite frankly, they do know what the offsides rule is, even though you know older soccer fans may say, I, you know, it's kind of hard to explain. Point is, our children, the next generation, they know yes, all this about opinion, the soccer rules. My opinion going forward, Rick, and, yeah. and I want to hear your calls. Like I'm, I want to hear the naysayers who, who say it's boring, they don't understand it, because that's the problem. But two things. One, is it television or, or, or the population watching it? And two, is it going to be a game that the young kids and coaching and can grow going forward, which will change, basically, sadly, NHL will fall below this soccer in the future. And who even well, knows about baseball? It's, and it's, I'm going to uh, let you go because it's All right, it's well, Rob, th- thank you. And again, I appreciate, as always, your, your enthusiasm and expertise when it comes to your passion for soccer. Uh, thank you, Rob. And I will say this, too, and I, before, before we get to our next caller, uh, Rob mentioned a point early on. I just want to come back and, and emphasize this. Yeah, we do need better instruction uh, with, for the youth level uh, when it comes to um, soccer. Uh, you know, it, it, again, traditionally in this country, let's talk about baseball, the, the national pastime. There has always been 
former ball players who have since stopped playing ball, uh, you know, either at the high school or college level, they have, they go off into a different career, they come back, they have families, they become volunteers at the youth level for baseball, or they run, you know, travel teams, or whatever, club teams. The, the, the sort of the, teaching the sport of baseball is easy and inbred in them because that's a sport they grew up with. It's not the same with soccer. Because there are, there, sure, there are, there are a lot of people in this country who grew up playing soccer, uh, but not as many as you might think in terms of, let's say, baseball or basketball. So the question then becomes one, well, how do we get our kids, our young kids, to really learn the skills necessary to progress when it comes to playing soccer? And, and you know, or just having a coach who actually knows how to motivate young kids, how to communicate with them. Again, this is something that is changing. It seems to be evolving. Uh, there are lots and lots of excellent high school coaches in this country at the soccer level with soccer. But again, there's more and more development that's taking place, and that's going to be key to get. As you heard some of the uh, the, the, the post-match interviews yesterday with the with the American men's team, they were all talking about, okay, we need to have a few more key parts to the puzzle here as we progress to the next World Cup. And that's going to come from the kids now who are probably in their teenage years. Yeah, that's exactly right. So this is all important as to where we go from here uh, in terms of soccer because, again, you can't deny it. It's there. I mean, I mean – Goodness gracious, I, I was just overwhelmed, as I'm sure you were, um, as to what was the, the amount of coverage from the media about this extraordinary appearance uh, by, by uh, Team USA, um, you know, in, in the World Cup. I mean, it's, 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 it's here to stay. All right, let's, let's take some more calls here and get more people what they think is going to happen. 877-337-6666. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Jack Smithland to get his thoughts. Uh, Jack from Fair Lawn, New Jersey. Jack, good morning. How are you, Rick? Good, Jack. Um, you know, last week, just like Dr. Rob just said, you know, I thought bringing Ed on was was genius. I mean, we will hear from the, <laughs> we'll hear from the Zoom man in the next segment because I want to get his views as well because he does represent yeah, the, the next generation of soccer fans. You, you, you got you got to put him back on. I mean, I, I just text you and and, and and Rob a picture of a one and a half year old kid playing with a soccer ball. Yeah. I mean. You know, but maybe it's time that we start realizing that soccer is an American sport. It is now one of our sports. And, you know, whether we treat it the way that the Europeans treat it or not, it's still one of our sports. You know that. Well, and let, me just, let me just correct you. Let me just, it certainly has been one, an American sport for, for decades. Yes. But yes. Is, it an Amer- is it a major American sport? Well, listen, you're looking at the cover. You just talked about the coverage that it's yeah, getting. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're looking at, you know, listen, and, and you know, like, I, I coach at the college level. Last night I had the pleasure of going to a clinic given by by Monica Abbott, you know, one of our one of our um, Olympic uh, pitchers. Yep. And, you know, and just listening, you know, I, I, I mentioned to some of the kids last night that any of them play soccer because I knew what your show was about. I'm going to tell you, I asked about 15 kids whether they play, you know, what other sports they play. And out of the 15 kids that I asked, 11 of them said they play soccer also. So the point is, is that every college, I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, I, I tried looking last night, but every college that I looked up last night, from junior colleges to D3, D2, D1, have a soccer team. Not every college is a football team. So I know that's because of expenses yes. and, and things like that. It's a much, you know, it's a much, it's a sport that is much less expensive than a football. I mean, the football helmet alone costs more than a whole outfit for a soccer player. So when you think about that, 
It's a perfect sport for the United States. It's an active sport, like Dr. Rob said. I mean, he was, you know, he's very into it. I coached it for 35 years, almost 35 years at the high school level, you know. And I'm going to tell you right now that, like you said, you know, the clock kicks up. When it gets to 90 and everybody expects my team's winning, the game is over, and then the referee says, hey, you know, people go crazy in the stands. You know, come on, come on, come on. And, and I agree with that. You know, it's like softball and baseball. I mean, seriously, softball and baseball, it's the only sport where the defense controls the ball. So, you know what? There's so many things about soccer that are, are great. And you know what? There are more kids playing right now because the World Cup is over for us. The hype is going to, you're going to see the hype is going to go down, down, down. But the growth is not. It's going to keep growing. It's going to keep becoming more popular in more areas. Um, the safety of it with act, actually at the youth level where you're, a lot of the youth leagues are being smart about the concussion rules. They don't even allow you to head the ball. Correct. Um, and, that's, and that's a plus for a lot of these young parents who want their kids to be active. I mean, listen, that one-and-a-half-year-old that I just sent you is my grandson. And the, <laughs> and the funny thing about it is he was there with his brother who was out on the floor doing a clinic with the, the professional team up in Boston, and he was on the side just dribbling the ball, just going around dribbling the ball. I mean, he, he didn't lose control of it, you know? So here's a kid at one-and-a-half years old, doesn't even know what a soccer ball is, and he's loving what he's doing. So, listen, it's a great sport, and I, this show is excellent. Last week was excellent. You know, it's funny because a lot of my people that listen to the show said, you think Rick's going to talk about soccer tomorrow, being that we lost? I said, of course he is. It, soccer's not going away, ladies and gentlemen. It's here, No, and I, I hope it's here to stay. Jack, I, I, I agree with you, and, and the question is going to be, okay, yes, of course, there's a bit of a, uh, an emotional letdown with the team losing to the Netherlands, but now the question is, is that going to be just, uh, well, that's the way it goes, and maybe in three or four years, the next World Cup will we'll, we'll focus again on soccer. No, I think soccer has proven that it's a, it's a force to be reckoned with, and as you said, as we've emphasized, the younger generation is going to be the ones that really propel the sport, uh, you know, in, in the years to come. It, it's, um, it may be foreign to some of the old timers like, uh, like me, but for, for people who grew up with it and play in the sport and they want their kids to play, it's just going to build and build. Jack, let me take some more calls. Thank you, uh, as always, for, uh, for your thoughts. You know, and that's, that's the coaching, the fact that we talked about, everybody refers to soccer as the, as the beautiful sport, the beautiful game, or the simplest game. Yeah, there's a lot about the fact that you don't need a lot of money to go out and buy equipment. You just need basically a soccer ball, maybe a pair of sneakers or soccer shoes and maybe some shin guards, as opposed to what it costs to equip your kid to play ice hockey and and to uh, or to play football or baseball has gotten very expensive so there's a lot of that as well working this in terms of the popularity and you know the fact is it's a fairly basic easy sport to understand or to learn the rules at, at the youth level and again that all fuels us together now look the fact is it's not perfect the United States Soccer Federation you know, I've criticized them many times over the years. They make a lot of faux pas and gaffes and do stupid things. We know that. Uh, but it seems that even they are going to figure out this is actually, they, they, there's a magic formula that's going to work for soccer because 
everybody has been talking about the men's team. And, of course, the women's team has already shown that they're a dominant force in the world. Let's take another call. Let's go over to, um, let's go to Tom in, in Rockland County. Tom, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you today? How are you, Tom? Good, good. Uh, you know, I, just a quick background. I'm, you know, mid-50s. I've been involved with soccer my entire life. I play collegially. My, my children play collegially. So I've seen the change over the years that it's happened. And I have to say, it's, it, it really comes from the community level. Now, there's so many kids where their first interaction with sports is soccer. It's relatively cheap to start. Right. The fields are there. It's accessible. It's usually a mom or a dad or a local individual that's coaching. And it's a great stepping stone to see, hey, does my son or daughter like this? Does it not? It's pretty nice. We go outside. We play. We come home. The next thing you know, the kids are watching it on TV. So it starts from there. And I have to say, the U.S. has done a great job of building a ladder of which I don't think people understand to get to the pros, to get to the MLS, so to get to the Premier League, there's USL levels. There's USL 1, USL 2, there's collegiate. So they've done in the last 15 years a pathway to get to, to like the, the top levels. And what's good about it is that it's, it, it's ironic that the European teams are, are far, far superior at, at this present time than some of the American players and coaches. But it, soccer is now a worldwide sport. I wouldn't say it's, it's just American, it's just European, it's worldwide. You can go to a store, I, 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 I'd ask your listeners to go out one day and count how many soccer jerseys you see mom or dads or kids wearing at the mall, at the park. There's more soccer jerseys than football, baseball, and, and hockey jerseys. So it's becoming like fast growing. And the MLS teams have done an outstanding job of reaching out to the communities with tickets, youth leagues, having the children involved at the games. So going to a game has become more of an event. It's great. The kids are there. The parents are there. They see the game. It's two hours long. It's quick. It's in and out. And it's just it's going to continue to grow. With Tom, the World I, Cup. I, I, I'm listening to you, and I, I don't in any way disagree with you because, uh, you know, again, whether, whether it was planned this way or it's just accidental, because, again, as, as Jack Smith was saying, kids today, even at the age of, you know, less than two, are now able to kick a soccer ball around and seem to be absorbed into the sport. The, the youth level, ASO, which I mentioned, it seems to be the first sort of entry for kids who want to play competitive sports. Um, and it's easier to kick a soccer ball than it is to hit a baseball or to throw a ball in a basket. I mean, it's just, it's extraordinary how this has all evolved. Yes, uh, we know that, um, uh, you know, you can make a case, well, it hasn't really involved that much because very few college programs offer scholarships for, for either men or for women for play soccer because they don't make any money. Nobody comes to the college games. But then again, well, baseball, you know, nobody seems to go to many college baseball games either except, uh, except down south where the weather is good. So things are happening. And, and the question is, you're right. If you look at the merchandising, you look at the kids wearing jerseys, the kids' familiarity with some of the top stars from, from Europe, yeah, it's all evolving. And it's, um, it's sort of fascinating to watch because, again, it all seems to be happening, you know, not from our generation, but from the kids 
the younger kids are driving this enthusiasm for the sport, and that seems to be the, the major way. And, you know, MLS has done a great job on basically following these cues. They're, not, I mean, they're adding, you know, soccer. They're building more soccer stadiums at the professional level, all right? In contrast, Major League Baseball just lopped off 20, uh, 40 minor league ballparks, uh, minor league teams, you know, because they figure they want to contract and have more control over minor league teams. That was a really dumb move, in my opinion. Anyhow, hey, hey, yeah. I, I got Tom, I got to take a break. Thank you so much for chiming in this morning. I hear you loud and clear. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. Thanks, Tom. Uh, okay, we're talking, obviously, about what's, what's, what's the future for the sport of soccer and how it's evolved. And as you've heard, we also think it's coming from the kids who are driving the enthusiasm here, and the parents are more than happy to follow. Yes, there are concerns with soccer. I mean, we can't overlook. It is a, as I mentioned earlier, it's a very, very physical sport at the professional, collegiate, even high school. You see guys banging bodies out there. There's a lot of heading of soccer balls, which we know is, in some leagues, now has been outlawed. Uh, to the kids who are at least 10 or 12, which is probably a good move because their necks aren't strong enough to handle the, uh, the, the, uh, the impact from the ball. But, you know, heading is a concern with uh, CTE and dementia. But again, soccer is, seems to be really building uh, in, in the right way. All right, let me take a time out. 877-337-6666. When I return, we'll take more of your calls. Stay with me. By the way, I'm still on Twitter where you can get updates uh, regarding uh, future sports as shows. And, of course, you can always find me on AskCoachWolf.com as well. And, and speaking of future shows, you know, I, I've been compiling a checklist of what sports parents need to know and to, to keep in mind when it comes to raising a, a solid and dedicated student-athlete. Uh, and as I've noted on, on, on the Sports Edge many times over the years, it's a lot more complicated to raise a kid these days than it was, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. In any event, I'm going to try, uh, for quite frankly, a lack of a better term, something of a, of a checklist that all sports parents need to, to keep nearby and to keep in mind as a youngster goes through the, the ups and downs of youth and high school and even college sports. I've never done this before, so I'm eager to see uh, how it's received by you. And again, I'll, I'll give you a heads up on Twitter when I finally have this checklist done and we will discuss on a future show. Also, just very quickly, I, I very much enjoyed Michigan's victory over Purdue last night. My youngest daughter is a, a diehard Michigan alum. Um, anyhow, they, they, uh, Michigan, the Wolverines, won the Big Ten championship. Uh, and, and Jeff Brom, who was the head coach of the Boilermakers, well... <laughs> that brought back some memories. Jeff Brom was one of the greatest athletes ever from the state of Kentucky. He's from Louisville. And uh, I remember he was a very high draft pick by the Cleveland Indians back in the day, the same time I was working for Cleveland as their sports psychology coach. And I recall very vividly spending some time with Jeff uh, when he was in the low minors. He was a very talented outfielder. And, that, and his question was whether he should choose to continue playing pro baseball or should he go back and focus on football? As it turned out, he's a bright guy, obviously. He ended up deciding on football, ended up playing for years in the NFL, and has had a most successful career as a head uh, college coach now at Purdue. Okay, let's get back to our topic this morning, though, talking about soccer and how it's catapulted and seemingly leapfrogged over baseball and ice hockey and a bunch of other American sports uh, to become one of the top sports in this country. Or is this just going to 
going to die down now with the men's uh, national soccer team. It's just a passing fad. I don't think it is. I think it's going to continue and build. But I want to get more of your calls. And I also want to talk to Ed Arzuman, who chimed in last week. Now, Ed, Ed's in his mid-20s. And, Ed, we were talking all, all this morning how this, this passion for soccer seems to be driven by your generation and the kids in their teenage years. Uh, Ed, are, are you a passionate soccer fan? Oh, I, I would say so. I mean, between the national team, for uh, the U.S. national team, obviously, uh, I just follow international soccer as well, but I'm a Liverpool fan as well. I love checking in on the, the big, the top five leagues that they got over in Europe. The top five, of course, meaning the leagues that they have in Spain, La Liga, right. Germany, Bundesliga, Serie A in Italy. Obviously, the Premier League in but you, England. But you, you follow all these oh. leagues. They're all your buddies, too? Um, I wouldn't say all of my friends do, but I would say a, a really solid percentage of people as opposed to when I, I look at some of my older cousins and definitely when I, when I look at my aunts, uncles, and my mom's generation as well because uh, I, none, of, none of my uncles or aunts outside of you know, knowing who Pele is and stuff like that. They don't They don't know anything about what's going on in the world so, of soccer. So how did this happen for you? I mean, how did you get attracted or drawn into soccer? I, um, I think it really just came down to the people I grew up around. One, I grew up a lot, around a lot of kids that played high-level youth soccer. Like, I had friends that went over to England to try out for academies over there when we were young and, yeah. you know, eventually went to play for their parents' countries as well, which, you know, Caribbean and Latin American people, but or Latin American countries. Yeah. But um, outside of that, my grandfather was a big fan. He was an immigrant to this country. Um, my my parents put me in soccer at a young age, so I have an appreciation from it on that level. Mm-hmm. And then once the games became more available for me to watch in terms of, like, checking out Man United, checking out Liverpool, being able to watch Man City go on the run that they're currently on, it really helped me become a fan. And it's it's interesting because I th- I didn't realize this really until recently, but... I'm still obviously learning the game. I'm learning who the best players are all time. I'm learning stats. I'm learning all that kind of stuff. And it's fun because I haven't had this type of enjoyment from learning from thousands of leagues since I was a little kid learning about the NBA and learning about MLB and learning about all these things. So I think that's, for me, also a part of it is that there's almost an endless exploration of history when it comes to the game of soccer at an international level. And that, as a student of just sports, is so much fun for me. That's fascinating. And again, you said, you know, as as Americans become more and more exposed to these leagues, and I do think that probably is the biggest marketing uh, tool that soccer was able to to build upon is having those, as you said, the leagues from Europe uh, being televised here in the States. So people like yourself who had some familiarity as a kid with soccer, now you're beginning to explore this. But like, look at these great athletes. Like yesterday, uh, you know, watching the, the Dutch team, and they're trotting out a six-foot-eight goalkeeper. <laughs> I mean, really? Yep. I mean, I mean – you look at that defensive line that they have in the back too, and they they don't have anybody under six foot five on that. And we're running out, you know, uh, good players, good soccer players. But you know what? You look at Christian Pulisic or 
Jesus Ferreira, who they started up top yesterday, those guys are barely over six foot, if they're even over six foot. You, you know, know it's, what funny, I mean? it's, it's funny you mention that, Ed, because I was watching that, and there is, uh, obviously we're trying to preserve their lead, and they have these guys like a wall, and they seem to be towering over our very quick, but barely six foot, maybe less than six foot score, uh, uh, offensive line, and it's just like, okay, how is this going to happen? Yep. <laughs> now, how are you going to head a ball into the net when you got a guy who's six inches taller than you are? So well, Now, that's uh, to that point, I think uh, Rob hit that on the head a little bit earlier, and what's it, what it's going to come down to for us on a World Cup level to progress is going to be the, t- is the tactics, getting a coach in here who can adjust a little bit better and make those you know, hey, there are teams that Lionel Messi is five foot ten. Well, I'm just going to say Messi is, is the exception to the rule because he's not even close to being six foot, and he's obviously the most prolific scorer Ever. In, in, in the game right now. So, yep. I mean, but something is the coaching, the techniques, the strategy is going to have to change if we want to go to and compete seriously at the next elite level. So, absolutely, and I just want to I just want to throw this in there because I thought it was interesting yesterday. I. Uh, I watched a game here. I was working, uh, so unfortunately, I didn't get to be around, you know, the atmosphere, or go to any of the pubs or anything like that. But afterwards, I met up with some friends. You know, I went over by a, a friend of mine's house, and we're all sitting there. And her son comes out, and he starts talking to me about the game. And I, I thought it was really interesting. He's about eleven years old, and he's a huge soccer fan. And just his like interest, I could see, was growing in like, hey. Who are these guys? How can I watch them play more than just these four games that I watched over the last two weeks? And I think that is the most interesting thing. And I looked at him and I said, hey, I know you play soccer already. You got to get yourself re- you got to get yourself ready for 4 years from now cuz we're going to need you out on that pitch. You know what I mean? And <laughs> and it was funny cuz my friend looks at me and she goes, "He's not old enough." And I'm like, "Those kids are 17 years old." I'm like, yeah. "He he better get ready cuz we need him to be good. We need a striker." <laughs> Ed, Ed, let me ask you this one put you on the spot here, okay? Uh, cuz like obviously it. you love all sports. Would you prefer to watch 7th game of the World Series with either the, the Yankees or the Mets? Or would you prefer to watch a World Cup match featuring the United States men's team? Wow. Oh. Um, I didn't think this would be as hard of a question as uh, <laughs> as you presented it to me when you first said it. But yeah. I, I got to go with uh, Game 7. I'm a Mets fan of Game 7 of a Mets World Series just because I think there's a lot more emotional attachment there. Yes, okay. Um, however, I think in terms of atmosphere and just being – patriotic and feeling things like that i mean there would be nothing nothing in this world that would touch the united states playing for a world cup championship in a final versus a team like i mean england or anybody like that would be potentially the biggest thing the biggest sporting event that ever happened in this country's history Hmm. interesting perspective and again the reason why you know it's important for us to take this seriously is because of the fact that you are the next generation of sports fans, and um, you know if you'd if I had asked that question ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, oh come on, man, Game Seven, Mets, Yankees, of course you got to watch that soccer. Well, you know I'll watch the highlights, you know that kind of thing. But <laughs> now it's all the momentum has shifted. And by the way, for and I have to mention this, I mentioned at the top of the hour about what what I think might be the next big sport in this country. 
because of the way it's uh, it's being marketed or being attempted in marketing. Because let's face it, I do think that putting all these, you know, the Premier League and Bundesliga and all the rest of them on TV in this country, uh, that's a great, great, smart marketing move. But and this sounds crazy, and I understand that. But don't be surprised if the next big sport on the American horizon to attempt this is cricket. Now, just like soccer, <laughs> cricket is extremely popular in all sorts of countries around the world, not so much here. But and for those that are trying to market cricket, the U.S. is, is definitely a prime territory. In fact, I will tell you, uh, my youngest daughter, Samantha, she worked a few years ago at ESPN in their corporate partnerships department. And one of her assignments was to learn and to keep track of the potential growth of cricket here in the U.S. She would tell me how the sport is very eager to expand into uh, the United States and to do it relatively soon. I mean, she would remind me that cricket is very similar in terms of skill sets to Americans like baseball. The biggest problem that traditional cricket matches last three days. But the powers of, of, of cricket have been working on trying to make the sport into a streamlined fashion, a much shortened affair, such like a two- or three-hour match. Anyhow, we'll see if this happens, but again, you heard it here first that cricket is watching what's happening with America in terms of soccer, and I bet you you'll be hearing more about cricket in the years to come. Uh, you know, Ed, i, I got to tell you, this is, um, this is fascinating to watch from my perspective. I mean, i got to tell you, this is something that, um, as I said, uh, I always looked upon soccer, and, and my three kids all played soccer as kids growing up, as you did. But it's fascinating to see how this sport is sort of now beginning to march to the, to the top of the line. Because you said there's something about the atmosphere, there's something about the, it's a carnival, it's fun, it, it's fairly concise. It, it's a different kind of experience uh, as, as to we see in other American sports. And I know that, you know, NFL is trying to build up interest, you know, in London and in Germany. But it's, it's, it's not really the same as to what's happening here with the States uh, and, and soccer. I mean, I, what, is, what do you think is going to happen now? Are you just going to keep tracking as a fan? Do you keep tracking the, the American men's team as to what happens next in, in the years before the next World Cup? Oh, yeah. I, I'm locked in. I mean, I, uh, I'm officially like a full-time fan now. So I don't necessarily think I'm going to be locked in on every single game, but I'm going to be paying attention to what the guys are doing with their with their teams, the younger guys we have coming through the system. I'm going to be very interested to see what the uh, confederation or the federation decides to do in terms of the next head coach. I think that's a massive decision because like, we can talk well, about how much the game is growing and how much well, it's going to keep going forward, and I do believe that. But isn't it, if they isn't show it, up an and they have a that, terrible performance in 2026 at home, yeah. this all goes by the wayside, in my opinion, in terms of like massive growth and jumping into the top three potentially in the American sport. La, right la, last question. I thought Burhalter did a pretty good job of getting these kids to, to play. You don't think that's a no-brainer to hire him back? I just think that you need to change up the voice in there. Every really? four years, you okay. give a coach a World Cup run. I think that's kind of like that's kind of it. He did a great job of getting these guys back to where they needed to be, but I think somebody else needs to take them to that next level. And you're right. If if, this, if the World Cup is going to be tremendous pressure as it always is in any kind of international competition, but if the U.S. team, the men's team, doesn't perform even better at the next one on its home turf, that'll be interesting to see how the sport of soccer absorbs that as well here in the States. Yeah, this uh, this result in 2026, for a lack of anything else, it would be completely unacceptable. Yeah, I, I, I think that's correct. All right, listen. 
Ed, thank you for your thoughts. As I said, I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I know you that, uh, again, you represent uh, the, the voice of the younger sports generation, and it's fascinating to get your thoughts and insights as to how soccer has become a major, a major component of your sports interest. Okay, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks, of course, to Ed Arzuman, the Zoo Man. Uh, the NFL preview follows me. I'll see you next Sunday morning right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.